So as I said, we're in a series called Lostology. Lostology is something that's very passionate in my heart. Um, Before I was on staff here at the church, I was a street evangelist. And one of the things that I did is I actually taught this as a 12-week course with my friend Stephen. And it changed my heart. Like, I'm primarily an evangelist, but me going through this class absolutely changed my heart. Because I knew that it wasn't just about going out on the streets and sharing what Jesus did and the gift that he has. But it's having the heart of Jesus for why he died on that cross. And how much he loved these people that are far from Jesus. So we're going to jump right into the word. Would you mind standing as we read the word today? We're going to be reading out of John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. This is the triumphal entry of Jesus as he arrives in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, which is today. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done. You may be seated. So this is today, Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago, as Jesus enters the city. He enters the city as the king of kings. And the people at the time had an expectation of of what this meant as he entered the city. Why has he come here? He's come here to die. Interesting enough, in in that last verse, it said that his disciples, even his disciples, did not understand what he was doing on this faithful day. The people, they even thought and had come up with other reasons to why. But the truth is, He came to die for what he valued the most, us. So the title of my message for you today is Search Equals Value. Search Equals Value. But before we get started, I need you to repeat something after me. Logan loves me. Logan is not mad at me. Okay, we're in agreement. That's great. I know this series has kind of been a little bit of a throat punch, but I promise this is the last week. But hopefully it was a good throat punch. So what did Jesus value? He valued people. Jesus lived for 33 years, but for the first 30 years, he did not do ministry. He was just simply with the people. Why? Because he valued his children. So he spent 30 years as a carpenter, hanging out with other carpenters probably, getting to know the people, smelling like the sheep, understanding more of these people that he loved so dearly, and he knew what he would do to come for them. And then in only three years of ministering, he changed the entire world. Three years of ministry, but 30 years of being with the people. See, what Jesus did is he got out of their faces and he got into their shoes. Now, this whole series, Lostology, is actually based off of a book called Just That. 
And it, it shares these 12 laws and principles of how to be a good lostologist based upon the mission statement of Jesus. Jesus came to know his people and to save his people. He got out of their faces and into their shoes. So let's talk about that value. What do we value? Well, it depends on what season of life you're in. Maybe you're in the house today and you're young and you're single. I would guess a couple things you value might be, what college am I going to? What career am I going to have? Who is my spouse? I can't wait any longer. <laughs> Gotta love those young adults. Or maybe you're married like I am. And you're more, you're more focused on other values now. Like, I need money to provide for a house and my wife and my kids and my car and all the things that come with life. I have kids. Holy moly, God trusted me with children. I have a house and now I have things that I have to keep in it to keep them safe. They're not things, they're children. But these are things that you value when you're married. Or maybe you're, you're older and you're retired and your values have changed. Maybe your value is your grandchildren and spoiling them rotten and giving them too much sugar before you send them home. Or maybe it's the inheritance that you're, you're, you're building up to give and bless the next generation as you leave and go to heaven with God. Or maybe it's your investments that you've been putting in for the last 40 years that probably aren't looking so great right now. <laughs> Through different seasons of life, our values change. But there's one value in life that should never change, and it should be an absolute. We search for what we value. If you lost your job, how would you feel? It might feel a little bad, but there's always another job. It's replaceable. If you lost, let's say, your wedding ring, that's kind of irreplaceable, right? You're probably going to search for it a lot longer. Now, this ring right here, this is my wife's wedding ring. And hypothetically, a while back, she lost it. But it is found. Now, this ring means a lot to me and my wife. See, as you can see, it has four or three diamonds on it. And the one on each side are actually the centerpiece stones from my mom and her mom's failed marriages. And in the center, there's a triangle stone, which represents the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and the redemption of our lineage. Now, when my wife lost this ring, this ring is irreplaceable. You cannot remake that story. I can get a different stone, but it doesn't have the same purpose. See, if this ring is lost, we will stop at nothing to find it. Do you want your ring back, honey? Don't want you to lose it. <laughs> I don't want me to lose it. That'd be bad. See, we search based on value. If we lose something and choose not to search for it, what we're saying essentially is that it has little value. See, actions, not words, reveal our values. So, what do you value? Let's talk about what Jesus values. Let's talk about this search that he's been on. In Luke 15, verses 8 through 10, we hear about the parable of the lost coin. And I want to read it to you just to refresh your memory. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she lost one coin, does not, lamp a, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? 
And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus sees us as that coin, immensely valuable, to search after us no matter what. See, when losing items of minimal value, it can be an inconvenience. Losing something of greater value, though, can be a tragedy. Honey, how would you feel if we never found that ring? Devastated. Me too. Because it means so much more to me than the diamond and the gold. See, disposable items can always be replaced. Like, for instance, if I'm down on the lake on a jet ski and I've got some dollar store pair of sunglasses and I try to do a backflip and I lose those sunglasses... I don't think I'm going to jump into the water to rescue them. However, if I was in that same scenario and I had on a pair of two or $300 Ray-Bans, I might just drown trying to rescue those. <laughs> we search for what we value. The more we value something that is lost, the longer we search for it. For minimal value items, we search for a few minutes. But for items of high value, we search for hours. And for items of infinite value, we search indefinitely. If we switch our focus from lost things to lost people, the issue changes dramatically. See, lostology helps us make that shift. If a search always reveals values, what does a lack of evangelism in our life reveal? Logan loves me. Logan's not mad at me. See, no search, no value. Search equals value. So let's talk about this mission. Throughout Jesus' entire earthly ministry, people tried to write his mission statement for him. When Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the people believed that they had finally come to complete his mission, but they had his mission statement wrong. Here are some of the things that the Jews believed about their Messiah's mission statement. The first one, that Jesus would be their political Messiah, the long-awaited one who would conquer the Roman military force. That he was coming into the town on Palm Sunday, not to die on a cross, but to take over the throne. Another thing that they thought was that Jesus would be the good rabbi. That he would teach them the depths of the Torah without stirring up or challenging any of the known word. When Jesus came, which is the true Messiah, his people received him as a man operating above his stature. He was considered a carpenter that should be focused on carpentry, not the word of God. See, but none of these are Jesus' mission statement. His mission statement was simple. And I would hope if you've been with us for the last three weeks that you might already know it. It's Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Period. That's what he came for. He came to bring redemption to us. He came to give us each new life. He came to pursue after what he values, no matter what the consequence would be. 
See, and during this time, Jesus, he resisted all who tried to set his mission statement for him. Because, see, he knew why he came. Jesus' mission on earth centered around searching for lost people. Why? Values. It's what he valued the most. Why did Jesus search for the lost? Because he only did what he saw his father do. He came to fulfill the mission of the father. See, because since the garden we were separated, and our father wanted nothing more than to be joined back to his children. What has God valued since the beginning? Us. We search for what we value. So along that journey, he created a team. And let's talk about that team. Because driven by his father's value system, Jesus centered his earthly ministry on lost people, and he used others to accomplish this. But how did he do this? Well, number one, I hope this is obvious, he searched for the lost. He spent most of his time investing and interacting with those far from God, explaining spiritual truths and helping them find the relationship with God that they longed for. The next thing he did is he built a team. What Jesus did is for three years, he trained a spiritual search and rescue team. This is a team by the end of this gathering I'd like to invite you to join. The greatest team of all. See, for three years, he equipped the, the followers of Jesus, were equipped with the values and skills to minister to lost people, not saved people. Now, did God focus on those that already knew him? Absolutely. He spoke to them all the time. But his primary focus was how to lead the lost to be found. And then his final commission to them was to launch a worldwide search and rescue mission until everybody was found. And he started with 12. From there, he empowered his team. See, he empowered them so that they could multiply. The book of Acts and church history revealed just how great the impact was of him mobilizing these 12 to share the good news to those that were far from him. He offered hope. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay the sin debt that separated lost people from God. And he paid every account in full. See, what he did is he built a bridge that lost people could travel on to get back to God. If a search reveals value, Jesus' values were easy to see. People matter to him. As a result, he searched for them. He searched for us. He searched for me. Why? Because God values us more than anything else. Because God loves us more than anything else. We are his creation, and he is our creator. And he wants nothing more than for us to walk in the fullness of what he created us to do. So I want to ask you a serious question. Would you die for your children? Any day. There is nothing I would not do for my baby girls. Would you die for a lost person? God's children? 
That's the wrestle. And I don't speak this message today out of condemnation. I speak this message today out of an absolute conviction. That I would be willing to lay down my life for my child no matter what the circumstance was. But God, help me to have the same heart for your children. Because there's coming a day and he's going to come back. And the people that haven't received him yet are not going to get to be in the glory. And that's not his desire. Hell was not made for man. Hell was made for Satan and his demons. He wants all of us to know him. We all need to truly ask ourselves this question because it, it, de it determines our true value for people. Is there any doubt in your mind who Jesus searched for? Is there any doubt in your mind who Jesus valued? Y'all are quiet. <laughs> Logan loves me. He's not mad at me. See, Jesus valued the lost to the point of death. Now, am I coming to you today saying, go out there and save one sinner and die? No. I'm saying hold it to the same regard that you would hold your child. And if that does nothing else but bring conviction for you to step out every once in a while and share the love of Jesus, I feel like I have won today. Because I believe if we take this series to heart, this entire city will be one for Jesus. Look what Jesus did with 12 lostologists. The core search and rescue team that changed the entire world. Jesus valued the lost to the point of death. See, being saved and getting comfortable can actually be a real issue. We get a little too cozy in the house with all our Christian friends. But we must do what we preach and not only be inwardly focused. Now, I love the local church. I'll die for the local church. But I will not forget who's outside of this building. Because once upon a time, it would have been me leaving the 99 to chase after the one. But what I would submit to you today is it's now leaving the one to chase after the 99. There are lost people out there. And the only answer is Jesus. And it's our responsibility. We must break down the walls of our church building and reach those that are far from it. True values are easily recognized by true actions. Like I said, we're like a search and rescue team. Okay? Now, if you were a search and rescue team looking for somebody, would you set up a base and stay there and expect the search person, the, the lost person to find you? This is the home base. And yes, lost people find us every once in a while. But we have to go out and search for them. True values are easily recognized by true actions. Now, like I said, I'm primarily an evangelist. And in that, I've heard quite a bit of excuses along the way of why not to evangelize. So let's talk about that. Because there's no greater statement of value that has ever been made than what Jesus did. This standard of value is the measurement that we should use when we evaluate our actions as fellow believers. See, Jesus, he lost, he, he loved the loss to the point of death. And what he did in that moment is he set the bar. He set the standard. So to be a believer in Jesus is to be a follower of Jesus. 
which means that we must follow his actions. What does it mean to be a Christian? The word literally means to be a little Christ or to be like Christ, to be like our Messiah. Are you being an example of Jesus through the way that you live your life? Or are you just attending a church gathering on the weekend hoping for eternity and blessings? Because those are already given, free. Take your gift. What are you going to do with it? I don't know about you, but I have been forgiven of so much. I do not deserve to stand on this stage. But God loves me so much that he would redeem and he would wash white everything that I ever did wrong. And he would redeem my family along the way. Because he loves me and he loves you. And that is his pursuit for us. Not just the free gift when you die. He has purposes for you right here, right now. Does your life exemplify Jesus' mission statement? Or are you making up excuses to join the mission? Here are some excuses I've heard. Number one. Evangelism is just not my gift. So what? Maybe you're gifted in the area of the prophetic. Go prophesy to a lost person. See, all the gifts that he gave us are to evangelize, to heal, to proclaim the good news, to be a shepherd, to be a teacher, and to do the work of the evangelist. God has given you specific gifts to reach those that are so far from Jesus. And if there's one thing that I'm concerned with in this life is when I get to those gates, if I miss somebody along the way. Ooh, it's one of the worst convictions in my life is when I think I'm too busy and I don't stop and minister and share what God has done. Which brings me to my next point I hear a lot. I just don't have time. Neither do any of us. (laughs) We are busy, 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 busy in America. It's not about the time. Most of the miracles that took place in Jesus' ministry did not happen when he arrived. They happened along the way. When he paused, he stopped. He said, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? Not every time you go to the grocery store, it's to get bananas and milk. I'm serious, y'all. I've led people to the Lord in Walmart many times. Walmart is a great mission field. (sighs) 3 a.m. in the electronics section, you're going to find some lost people. None of us have time, but it's our responsibility. Another excuse I hear a lot, well, Logan, I just don't know the Bible well enough. Who cares? It is not the complex gospel. It is the simple gospel. And if you can't share a verse in a passage that you have memorized, so I can't either. (laughs) But you know what I can do? I can share what God has done in my life. I can share the power of the cross. I can share what redemption is. Another excuse I hear a lot is, I don't know any non-Christians. And sometimes I just want to say, repent. (laughs) You are missing the point if you don't have lost friends. I'm not going to be a part of the world. I'm going to be set apart. 
Yeah, be set apart and reach those and bring them to be part. <laughs> the last one I hear a lot is, I need more training. Welcome to part three of training. <laughs> the hope by the end of today is that you would be equipped to be a lostologist, to join the spiritual search and rescue team that Jesus started 2,000 years ago, to seek and save that which is lost. See, Jesus didn't call you to make excuses. He called you to live in sacrifice to those around you. Those that are lost, those that have no hope, those that need the God that we serve. You know, there's two people in this room right now, and it's only because of them that I'm standing and I'm alive. And it's this man right here, Chris Buskirk, and it's that woman right there, Mariah Zan Houston. That's my sister and my brother. And you know what? They never once shoved the gospel down my throat. I just saw that they attended church. And one day I went. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Obviously, we should tell them about the God who loves them. But failure to do that reveals that we have a sick value system that needs a transfusion of God's love. So let's talk about the truth. The truth of the matter is that we search for what we value. A decision to not search reveals our values. Perhaps we don't seek to share our faith more because people are not really valuable to us. Let that sink in. If so, we must confront the fact that people do not matter to us as much as they matter to God. Facing this uncomfortable truth may be the first step in adjusting our thinking, our living, and our values. And in reality, we probably don't need more training in evangelism. We simply need renewed hearts and more love. If we valued people as God values people, we would live differently. Let's be honest enough to drop the rationalizations and confront the real issue. Any search or no search always reveals our values. Search equals value. We live in a world of discounts. Can we ever expect a spiritual search to be anything less than costly? So let's talk about that. What is the cost? Well, imagine this. Imagine if you typed into Google search, search and rescue services. Do you think you would find any discount search and rescue services? Interesting. I've never seen one. See, we don't see companies like this offer cheap versions of search and rescue because searches require time, money, and people. Searches are costly. There's no way around it. If my daughter was missing, I would never pay for a discounted service. Do you think if my little sailor girl vanished off tomorrow, I'd be like, honey, we only have so much money. Maybe they can ride horses instead of helicopters. No, that is not what I would do. 
If my daughter was missing, I would pay whatever is required to have the best search team possible. If one of my daughters was missing, there was nothing you could do to stop me to find her. I will die in my pursuit to save my child any day. I would not be concerned about money. I would spend every dollar in my bank account, take out every loan and sell everything I have until she's found. And if I get broke and she's still not found, I'll just keep searching. Because it's my daughter. Time would not be an issue either. I would spend any amount of time necessary. I would not sleep until I literally would fall over until I found her. Because how can I sleep when my child is missing? So why is this any different when we talk about searching for God's children? The drive should be the same. The Bible from beginning to end proclaims the incredible price God was willing to pay for a lost world. Stained in blood, the cross stands as the ultimate price for the search and rescue operation. In eternity and throughout history, God determined to pay that price required for your salvation. God chose to pay the ultimate price for us. And it was in the cross. God proved this truth. That a search is always costly. To think otherwise, we would have to ignore the cross and everything Jesus went through. So I ask you, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Time and money have nothing to do with the gravity of a search and rescue operation. We do not search because it is convenient or cost effective. We do not evaluate a search on a ratio of lost found and resources invested. Love compels us to search the agape love of Jesus that was in constant pursuit to, re to redeem a junkie on the side of the street and show him the purposes and gifts that he had. And that is not just for me. That is for everyone outside of these walls and in here now. And it is love. It is love that pushes forth our pursuit. We expect a search to be costly so when it is, we are not surprised. Evangelism requires sacrifice. Money, yes. Time, yes. Evangelism will cost us. I don't know if you know this, but it was expensive to find you when you were lost. Others paid that bill. And now it's our turn. It's our turn. Ultimately, any decision or any discussion of sacrifice must be measured against the standard of the cross. He set the bar. Are we willing to step even close? Only as we look at the cross do the issues shift into focus. Only the cross ensures that love will keep us searching for his children. There's a parable in, in Luke 15, starting verse 1. And this is the parable of the lost sheep. And I just simply want to read it to you again. 
I feel like it might have changed a little bit in your heart. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he had lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you that when one sinner gives their life to Jesus, it's all about them. It's the mission. It's what he's called us to do.